Well, I shook hands with the devil down on the south side, and he bought us both a drink. With a pad and a pencil sat by his side, said, tell me what you think. I've been looking for my savior, looking for my truth. I even passed my shrink. He brought me down to his level, said, son, you're not special. You won't find him where you think. You won't find him down at sunset or at a party in the hills. At the bottom of a bottle or when you're tripping on some pills. When the soldier this dream, you were just 16, back to back and ran away. And it's a kind of shame you came all this way, cause you won't find Jesus in LA. And it's a kind of shame you came all this way, cause you won't find Jesus in LA. Took a sip of his whiskey, said, Now that you wish well, I think. You've been busy searching through the city to find the way. I know I'm not your savior, I know I'm not your church, but I think we could be friends. He said, Come down to my level, hang out with the devil, tell you in the end. You won't find him down at sunset or at a party in the hills, at the bottom of a bottle, but when you're tripping on some pills, when the sun is streaming, we're just 16. Good morning. Welcome to Waypoint. My name is Nick Raimondo. I work here on staff. The song you just heard was written by a young man named Alec Benjamin. He wrote the song at one of the lowest times of his life. He wrote the song to illustrate some things to us. See, we saw words in there that were kind of churchy or religious. Jesus, the devil, um, and trying to find those things. What, What he came to a conclusion as a young man was that for him to find what Jesus stands for a lot of times, happiness, purpose, passion, your desires, filling a hole that we may have inside of us, that he would be able to find that if he went to L.A. He bought in to the smoke and mirrors that he's seen with the few people that make it out there and are successful. And so he went out there to pursue a career, but what he found was he was met with a bunch of emptiness. He started to make decisions that he never would have made before, He started to make choices that he knew were outside of his boundaries. But he thought it's what he had to do to get happiness in this life. 
So he was willing to do it. Well, he ends up coming back home, spending time with his family, and he writes this song. And here's a little quote that he uh, has to say about this. Alec Benjamin wrote about Jesus in L.A. When I first got to L.A., I thought that I was finally going to find happiness that I'd always been looking for. Not long after I arrived, I got signed, dropped, lost all my friends, spent all my money. I had to move back with my family, my parents, and that is when I realized the thing I was looking for the whole time was right in front of me, my true friends and family, even though I was at my lowest point. Being back home with my mom, my dad, and my sister made me truly happy. See, I think that this isn't too far from you and I. I think at times we see what the world has to offer, what the culture has to offer, and we think maybe if we do this, yeah, I know it's outside of the boundaries that I would normally do. Yeah, I know that it means I'm going to have to compromise some of my values. Maybe I can finally find happiness in my life. We get there, we make some compromises, and we still feel empty inside. I want you to remember this, because we're going to come back to this thought as we talk this morning. But before we get there, I want you guys to do something for me. I want you to pull out your phone. It's, it's all right. Most of you already have it out, I'm sure. Um, go ahead and go to Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever social media you use. Now, I know we are cross-generational here, so there may be some people that don't use social media. That's okay. You can put your flip phones away. We won't, uh, we won't need you for this part of the illustration. But we're going to do a table talk. And so others that do have social media on their phone are going to be able to talk with you and bring you in to help share with this illustration. So what you're going to want to do is make sure that you know some people around you or that you at least introduce yourself. You're going to look at a few of those stories. Maybe it's an Insta video. Maybe it's a Facebook post. Maybe it's a snap that you just got from a friend. And I want you to answer these three questions. I want you to describe what's happening. What do you think of or how does it make you feel? And why do you think the person posted that or put that on there? And then I want you to talk with the people at your table answering those questions, describing what you see, and uh, just, just kind of have some fun with it. Now, I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, so please don't use people's names or don't show things if it's an embarrassing post somebody did. But go ahead, turn and start talking with each other. All right, if you could finish whatever you're talking about. Give it a few more seconds. 
See, if I, if I had to take a guess, I would guess that the person posted that stuff or put that out there because they wanted to influence you or whoever saw it in a certain way. Now, maybe the influence would be a small influence. Maybe it would be a bigger one. Maybe what you saw was somebody posted this really delicious-looking meal, and you thought, oh, my gosh, I have to eat that. You were influenced. Maybe what you saw was somebody broke up, and you're like, man, that was the perfect couple. If they can't make it, how can we? And you start to feel empathy, to feel sorry for that person. Or, on the flip side, maybe you don't really like that person, and you're secretly like, yes, I'm glad they broke up. When we see different posts, we're influenced to feel different ways. Maybe what you saw on there was a picture of some friends that are on vacation, and they look so happy. They look perfect. It looks like they're having a blast. And you say to yourself, man, my family's been fighting all the time. Is there any way we could feel that? Do we need to go on a vacation so we can get a happy picture taken together? Or maybe what you saw was somebody posted something that sounded like, Oh my gosh, I just found my purpose and passion in life, and I'm doing what I love every day, and I would do it no matter what, even if I didn't get paid anything. And you're thinking, man, I hate what I do. I have no passion or purpose for this. Is this all that God has for me? Or is there any more? Is there something out there for me that I should be pursuing? See, I think we live in one of the most highly connected, information-driven ages of all times. And, and it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a double-edged sword. But at a moment's notice, you can find out what's going on around the world, and you can be influenced by thousands of people that maybe in the past it was a little bit harder to hear from. But, but this isn't anything new. Advertising, marketing has picked up on this in the 50s, 60s, 70s to today, Marketing agencies would use people that were celebrities to influence us to buy products. Think about Joe Camel, that smooth, cool-looking camel with that cigarette in his mouth. It made us feel like if we could do this, if we did this, maybe we could be as cool as him. Or there's Groucho Marx up there with, like, version 1.0, Tony the Tiger, endorsing Kellogg Frosted Flakes saying, hey, he likes it, you should too, go buy this product. Jerry Lee Lewis, eating Kentucky Fried Chicken with the Colonel. Um, up in the corner, it's a little hard to see, but Michael Jackson, Cindy Crawford, endorsing Pepsi. To today, LeBron James signing a million dollar, I'm sorry, a lifetime deal with Nike that could net him a billion dollars by the age of 64. We see influence all around us. It's been a part of our world and the life we live in. What's happened, though, is now it's on steroids. Because if I had to guess, I would guess before Andrew Luck even got up there and did a press conference last week, you had already known that he was going to retire from the Colts. You had already gotten a notification from either ESPN or a friend sent you a text. But somehow you knew before it even came out of the person's mouth. We live in one of the most connected societies ever in times in history where we can get influenced by people at an incredibly high rate of speed. Now, I don't think influence is bad. I think influence is natural. That the influence in itself isn't what creates things to be good or bad. It's how you view it, and it's what you do with it 
And it's the influencer's motivation behind it that makes it good or bad. I also believe that we are naturally driven to be influenced by people, things, or others. The reason I think this is because God made us to feel and find our purpose, our passion, our joy, what we love in life. God designed us to find these things. And since we're designed that way, when we see somebody else has something, when we see the success in L.A., we're willing to sell out and go there in hopes that maybe it can fill whatever insecurity or void we might have in our own life. And so we're driven by this. It, it's what's, what caused that song that you heard earlier to be written. It was the motivation behind it that maybe I can find my own happiness in this world. It's something each of us seek and we desire. The problem is, when we don't have our motivations right, when we don't understand the right way that influence works, we can miss the point. We can make some big mistakes. Let, let me explain how influence works in most of our lives. I heard this from somebody else, um, but I thought, holy cow, this works with influence just as well. He was trying to prove a different point. But have any of you been here? Maybe it's Sunday night, you're laying in bed, and you're like, okay, this is it. This is the time that I change my life. Tomorrow, I am going to start eating right and exercising. It's time to get healthy. Monday's the day. I am going to go for it. Monday comes. You meal prepped. You planned. You have your grilled chicken ready. You have your salads good to go. You're eating healthy. You're drinking water. You're not putting bad stuff in your body. You're exercising at night. You do that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday comes. Friday at lunch, you're sitting there, you're scrolling through social media, and you see an ad for Papa John's, and you think, oh my gosh, Friday's always pizza night, I've always had pizza, I want pizza, and your emotional self starts to kick in, and starts to say, hey, you need this, but your rational self steps in and says, no, You've done well. Stay focused. Stay focused. So you remove the thought. You keep going. You start driving home and you pass a Papa John's delivery guy. And oh my gosh, it's a sign. God wants me to eat this pizza. But then your rational self kicks in and says, no, keep going. Stay focused. You're doing so well. Until you go over the railroad tracks. You can smell the cheese. You can smell that garlic butter that you drink. It's so good and it makes your stomach upset afterwards. And you pull in, and all of a sudden, your emotional self has brought you to a place where your rational self starts to change the story and say, you know what? You deserve that pizza. You can have a slice. It's not a big deal. You did well all week. You had some salad. In the break room, when people were eating cupcakes, you said, no, thank you. You deserve it. You get the pizza, you eat the whole thing, you're sitting down, and you say, oh, man, why did I do that? And you regret the decision. Maybe for you it could look like you're on a budget. You've been saving money. You know that you need to pay for a car, for college, for something. Pay some debt down. But you had an opportunity to work some overtime, and so your check's a little bit bigger than it normally is. And you see those fresh pair of white shoes that you've always wanted. And you start to think, man, I have some extra money. Maybe I should buy these. And your rational self starts to kick in and say things like, you deserve those. You work hard. You've saved. Look at that guy over there. They don't even work, and they have all of the nicest things. You should get those. 
You get that pair of shoes, you get a scuff on it, and all of a sudden you're like, why did I do that? That was such a waste of money. We are intrinsically driven to be influenced by the things around us. Our emotional self gets attached to something, and then our rational self at the beginning tries to keep us focused, but if we're not careful, it'll start to change the story and justify why you should do something that you never thought you would do in the first place. And the reason we do it is because we're hoping to fill a hole inside of our spirit. We're hoping to find value in life, purpose. We're hoping to find our mission, fulfillment, things that our spirit are lacking. And that is what influence can do to you and I. But this isn't new. It's been around forever. And in fact, I think Jesus had something to say about this. And if we could understand how we take influence in, maybe we can make some healthy choices in our life. So if you have your Bible, your phone, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 23. We're going to talk about some things that were going on. But before we get there, let me go ahead and tell you some context. At this point, Jesus is getting ready to teach his disciples and other people in the community. They're all gathered around. What they're trying to ask is, how do we honor you? How do we live? Because what they were seeing as an example was a group of people called the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a great group of people that really understood Moses' law and followed it. So they should have been respected and understood. But the way the Pharisees lived their life wasn't necessarily honoring God. And so we have a group of people that are looking at the Pharisees saying, I see and hear what they're saying. Is that what you want me to do to find my purpose and passion in life? Or is there something else? And God responds in verses 1 through, uh, yes, Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4. Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit at Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulder. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger. What the Pharisees were doing was they were creating different rules that would make themselves look good on the outside. Rules that nobody else could really follow. So at the end of the day, the Pharisees could say, look at us. Look at what we're doing. We're righteous in God's eyes. And, and I think, to a certain level, you and I do some of that type of stuff. See, I think the way we do it is we rationalize some of the sins that we're living in. Maybe you're here today, and um, you struggle with pornography. And you struggle with the stuff you watch, the stuff you lust after, and, and you justify it because you say, at least I'm not like Joe down the road. He's had multiple affairs, multiple divorces. He's just a scumbag. God has to love me more. All I do is this tiny little thing. Or, or maybe you see all of your friends. They're drinking. They're having fun. And you see that. And, and you know inside of you, yeah, mom and dad really wouldn't like me to do that. Yeah, I probably shouldn't be messing with this stuff. But it looks like so much fun. What's the harm with a couple of drinks? What's the harm with just partying once? At least I'm not like that person who's dealing with addiction. At least I'm not like that person. And we justify the sins that we're making. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were trying to make themselves on the outside look good by creating all these rules that they could follow, but nobody else really could. 
So Jesus continues in verse 5 through 7. Everything they do is for people to see. They make their flactories. That's the little wooden boxes that Jewish people wear on their head when they pray in the morning. Wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the places of honor at banquets and most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and be called rabbi by others. What Jesus was saying was, listen, God has never cared about what you look like on the outside. He cares about what your spirit is doing. He cares about your heart. And if you chase after following all of these rules, you are not going to ever understand how to live a life full of passion and purpose, a life that would honor God. This goes on in in 1 Samuel, in the Old Testament. Samuel and Saul are arguing with each other in uh, chapter 15. Saul just conquered a huge army and had clear instructions from God what to do once he captured this army. But he decided to disobey and do his own thing. He wanted to capture the calves and some animals so he could do this lavish sacrifice to God. And he decided that he was going to do it on its own. And in verse 22, it is said, Samuel replied to Saul, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than to sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of the rams. Another way, another translation. Samuel said, do you think all God wants are sacrifices and empty rituals just for show? He wants you to listen. Plain listen is the thing, not staging lavish religious productions. See, at times, I think what we're influenced by is the world. It looks like things are great. It looks like things are going well. And we chase after those as we're trying to fill a hole. But if you want to understand how influence works, and if you want to have a whole spirit, you have to understand that God has never cared about the mistakes that you've made or what's on the outside. What he cares about is knowing who you are and who's in charge of your spirit. And if God is your ultimate influencer then you will finally be able to find a purpose in life that you have never understood. But the only way it works is if you understand all of the promises that God has given you. There's a whole bunch in the Bible, but here are a few that he says. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am always with you. The Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. Nothing, nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. When, when influence from the outside comes in, And you start questioning your insecurity. You start questioning who you are. Instead of saying, well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I could be happy like them. You can say, God, what do you have for me? Is this really what you want me to do? I don't feel like it's the right thing. I feel like I'd have to sacrifice my morals. I feel like I'd have to sacrifice what's important to me. But if this will give me happiness, then I'll do it. And God will meet you where you're at. And he may say, no, be patient. I know this job looks great, but it's not what I have intended for you. No, be patient. Stay focused. I know you're dealing with a loss. I know you're dealing with a hard time. But keep doing what you're doing. Stay focused. Stay on the path because I love you and I have a plan for you and I will always be there for you. And if you can understand that Jesus is your ultimate influencer, then I think you can take the influence from the culture in, in a healthy way. And you can look at the lies that society says and say, all right, 
I get what they're doing, but that's not for me. We're going to keep moving on. I'm going to trust God here. And the only way that you can find your true purpose, happiness, value, is if God is at the center of everything that you do. Maybe you are here this morning, and that's something you're looking for. Maybe you haven't given God your everything yet, and you've chased what the world has to offer, and you've been left feeling empty. Well, well, I have some good news for you. We've all been there. We've all done it. God's come into each and every one of our lives, and it is my prayer that Waypoint is a place that no matter where you are at, you are met with grace and love of Jesus Christ when you walk through the doors, that you know that we are a group of broken people that are trying to adjust course towards Christ little by little, and that we fall short, but we get up and we keep going, and we're going to love on each other, care for each other, and work through the dirtiness that we may have in our life. See, I, I don't know where you're at this morning, but what I can tell you is that the fall is a great time around here because a lot of fun things are getting kicked off. Some of those are groups, marriage retreats, things like that. There's people out there in the lookout hall that want to talk to you about how you can get connected with a group of people that want to see you be successful, that are just as broken as you are, but want to influence each other in a way that the world might not think is, is normal that want to love on each other in a way that is different, but is the only way that you can find a true happiness. Please don't leave here today. If you're looking to get connected, there's going to be opportunities in the lookout hall. Don't leave without talking to somebody about how you can feel the support. Because I'll be honest with you, I would not be here at Waypoint today if it wasn't for this support, the love, the grace of the staff, the congregation. I've been met where I'm at and constantly have to adjust course towards Christ. But once you realize Jesus is your influencer, well, then you have an even harder challenge. You have an opportunity, actually a calling, to be an influencer yourself. Because the people that live around you, the people that work with you, the strangers that you see, are going to see that something's different about you. And what's different is God lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is prompting you, is guiding you, and they're going to be drawn to that, and they're going to want it. And so if you've accepted Christ as your ultimate influencer, it's time for you to step up and to be patient and watch people around you and look for opportunities where you can step in and be an influencer. It might look like volunteering at Loveway. It might look like volunteering at the Humane Society. It might look like volunteering here at Waypoint. We have so many opportunities, but God expects something out of us once we understand that he is who influences our lives. Listen, we have an incredible daycare here. 90 kids come on a daily basis where their families get to drop their kids off and know that they're going to be loved, protected, and safe. If you want to get involved, you can come wash toys. You can come read with a kid. You can be an influencer that simple. We have a youth group. We have a children's program. I'm incredibly proud. Um, I'm incredibly proud of what we have going on here at Waypoint. Not because it's Waypoint, but because we know that God has influenced us to live bigger than what we could do on our own. If you're here this morning and you know who Christ is, it might be time for you to step up and start influencing others. Listen, one of my favorite things that not a lot of people know about because we haven't done it on a big scale yet is a partnership that we have. Two ladies from Waypoint go to Basher Children Home every Thursday. 
And they have an opportunity to love on the most incredible group of girls that you will ever meet. They are influenced by those girls. They are motivated. I hear the stories that they share. You could partner and join a group like that. We have a lot of opportunities. We hope that Waypoint can be a place that leads change and influence in our community so that people can meet the love of Jesus Christ in ways that they never have. I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come up here. If you would please bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, I, uh, I want to thank you for this morning. We have an opportunity to get together as believers and to, uh, to worship you, to understand that we are all broken, disgusting sinners that without your love could not do what we do. But for whatever reason, you have called us out of our sin and called us to step up so that we can find who you made us to be and we can start impacting others' life, others' lives. It is my prayer that Waypoint can be a place of change where people can come messed up, disgusting, broken, and adjust course because we're all there. We all fall short of your glory. But we love you for choosing us and loving us anyway. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In your name I pray, amen.